0: you're listening to the ascent podcast a production of foothills church as we consider what it means to actually experience real authentic friendship what characteristics come to mind and what is it that defines a real friend think for a moment are you yourself living in such a way that would actually earn the friendship of others Today we bring you part two of our series, Real Friends, where we take a deeper look at what it means to live in and experience authentic community. I sat down with Pastor Trent Stewart to tackle these questions and more on today's episode of the Ascent Podcast.
1: If your only church experience is in rows on Sunday morning, you've not really experienced the church. Uh, because I think the primary function of the early church was relational discipleship. We see Jesus in a relationship with 12 guys, and then when he dies and is resurrected, he calls them to go and make disciples. And the the model that he wants them to use to do this is through relationships.
0: I'm Britton Drown. Thanks as always for listening. Let's jump right in. All right, Pastor Trent, thanks so much for joining us here again on the
1: podcast. Absolutely. And thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in and listening and subscribing. We really appreciate it. I hope it's been helpful. Absolutely. And today I'm excited to kind of take
0: a look back at the Real Friends series that we just wrapped up. And it really was a great couple of weeks as we truly looked at what it means to live life in an authentic community. And, you know, just recently we saw 200 adults respond to that series by attending Small Group Connect. I just kind of want to To ask, you know, how encouraging was that to see that level of response, especially on Monday evening?
1: It was incredible. Um, Man, it was just so good. I I had so many conversations with people who are new to the area, who are new to faith, uh, who just, you know, kind of proving what we have been talking about in this series that people are hungry for relationships. And so I guess as church leaders, it was just a reminder that listen, if we create the system for people to connect and to grow, God will bring the people to us. And so, um, you know, we had, uh, gosh, I I can't remember, it was either 20 to 25 new small groups that we were ready to start, and that certainly isn't enough for all those people that want to connect, and so we're figuring some of that out. But you know the the majority of the people that came to connect are finding that community and and are connecting in those groups. And so, typically, what we're prepared for, God brings us, and so um, and and kind of he brings it, and then kind of a little bit, almost to where we're panicked to oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And so it just goes to show you, as leaders, we've got to create the system and provide a way for the people to do what scripture is calling us to do. And, and when we do that, God brings people. So it, it was just, it was fantastic. It was so encouraging.
0: Absolutely. And you know, when we look back at this series, you know, you kind of opened it up with that definition of, of really what a, a real friend is. And you said that's somebody who helps you grow closer to Jesus. So I want to, I'm curious as we kind of wrap this up, you know, tell us a little bit about how you came to that definition. Obviously it was something that connected with people.
1: Well, yeah, I think that, you know, I've had friends in the past and, you know, friends I would consider good friends, I felt like, you know, cared about me, but they really kind of lacked that spiritual depth. Um, And so when that spiritual depth isn't there or is non-existent, then I think as, as followers of Jesus, we're missing, obviously, a huge part of who we are. And so if it's true that out of identity, we find community, then I just don't think we can, and I didn't say this in the series, but I don't actually think we can call anybody a real friend who doesn't know our King, our Savior, and who isn't in love with Him like we are. Like, we're so different. I mean, we can be friends, and we can care for, and we want to love on folks like that, but the kind of relationships we're talking about in this series are, are ones that are helping us grow and so I think without that spiritual side of, of of a friendship then we're missing a big part of of who we were created to be yeah I think you kind of touched on that a little bit
0: in in part two of of the series where you opened with that great analogy and that was really kind of you focused on the messaging and, and kind of the programming of, of culture and really a battle that sometimes the church you know will find itself in and trying to match that quality or trying to try to match that effort of of capturing imaginations and the attention of people. And
1: here's what you said. But there is nothing in culture that exists that can compare to the kind of authentic community that the church has the potential to create. And so we're not trying to entertain anybody. We're not trying to like out-program this thing to try to, you know, reach you on a level that would entertain you or kind of, you know, all you. Like, no, no, no. The, The very philosophy and foundation of our vision is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And the reason why is because there is one thing that the world, that this culture could never, will never, can never replicate or outdo us, And that is finding and experiencing an authentic community.
0: Can you just touch on that a little bit, you know, and and what is it about the community really of of the church that that shapes it and kind of makes it different than the experience that maybe we can get in culture or, you know, with really pop culture programming?
1: This is something the church has been struggling with for for years. I, I think it started in the late 80s, but... Um, we have tried to program services so that they are entertaining to people, and so that they, you know, um, you know the. I think the hope was to really engage the younger generation and, and engage people of all generations. Uh, but but what we found is, you know, as we try to program and you know whether it's a drama or a play or some kind of musical. Um, we we just aren't anywhere close to the level of you know um, engagement that culture can produce, and so when it comes to their budget, their talent, their skill, it, we're, we're just not even close. And so um, I, I think when churches over overly program and they they go down that entertainment um, road, I think we just have to be really careful because this generation especially is not impressed. And um, if we're totally committed to this over-programming type of mentality, I think we're going to miss the next generation specifically. Um, And ultimately, I think life is best spent in the context of community. And the one thing I'm trying to tell, and, and one thing I was hoping everybody would grasp, is that the church has the opportunity to do something that culture, that sports, that hobbies, that you know, sororities, fraternities, whatever, you name it, the church has the opportunity to provide something to people in this world that nobody else can provide, and that is authentic community. And so I think it's huge if a church will grasp this concept and really move into that, um, it really meets a need that is in the world. So how does a church grasp
0: that that concept then? If somebody, if I'm new to church, if I'm coming into church, I'm really seeking that community. What are some ways that I can quickly get plugged in? Or maybe a better way to ask, ask that is how can I quickly experience that community? What are some ways that a first time guest can come in and really experience that and then get plugged in?
1: Well, I think, um, so I think the need is there. The hunger is ultimately there in, in somebody who is checking out church, maybe for the first time. Uh, they don't always know, what what that is gonna look like for them because maybe they've never experienced a small group. Um maybe, you know, my wife is way extroverted and and maybe I tend to be more introverted. So I think we have to give people time. So if people want to be anonymous for a while, you know, I think I, I think we you know, that, that's just going to happen. People want to check it out, especially unchurched people. Let's see what this is like. Are they crazy? Are they weird? Mm-hmm. What are they teaching? So people want to come a few times before they would even take that step. But I think the, the onroads to community always have to be there. And so for us, it's Base Camp. Mm-hmm. For us, it's the Connect Center on Sunday morning. So if you ever want to connect to a small group, then boom, you go to the Connect Center and, and you've got it uh, for us. Small groups are going to start in August, um, and then they're going to take a break when we get to May. But we also have the onboard of the short-term groups for people who might show up in the November time frame. Hey, we've got a short-term group for you. Uh, and then same thing in the spring semester. Somewhere around March, we start a short-term group. So there are always onroads to community. And uh, I guess the other thing would just be we talk about it literally every sure. week. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's important, then you talk about it. And if you care about it, then you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so it can't just be a sermon that you preach. It, it's something that we constantly bring up and constantly make people aware of.
0: Yeah, it's really living it out as a church. Yes. And I
1: think, I think people see that when they come in. And I think,
0: you know, one thing, too, it's funny when people think of the church, they kind of have that immediate uh, thought of that corporate worship experience or the corporate teaching or maybe even just the building itself rather than that life of the small groups that are inside the church. you know, Can you just talk a little bit about why do you think that is, and maybe why <laughs> is it important that we continue to model a church that really lives out and
1: values relational yeah. environments? It's a great question. It may take me a minute to unpack this, but because I would go all the way back, and we touch on this um, in, in the journey process here. We talk about it because I think it is a, an issue, but I mean, you could go all the way back to the 16th century with William Tyndall. He translated the Bible from the original language um, into English for the very first time. And when he when he got to the verses in the Greek that used the word Ecclesia, um, he really began to understand and and really sought for what it what it really translated to. And so that word actually means congregation. And so you know when when you look at how systematized and institutionalized the church was at that time, he was taking a huge risk to actually understand the Word the way that I think God wants us to understand it. Um, so when he translated his his uh, version, then he would come to that word and he would translate it as congregation. And so the, the word ecclesia, the word That's the Greek word for church. It's not a building. It's not an organization. Uh, The intention of the word is that it's a group of people. So all over the world, there are all different kinds of buildings and many styles of worship, but we're all a part of the prediction that Jesus makes when he says that I am going to build my church. And so uh, when Tyndall created this translation— Uh, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, didn't appreciate it, and they actually uh, killed him. And, um, you know, this whole institutionalized version of Christianity continued to progress. Um, When you think about the New Testament, we hardly read anything about Sunday morning. It tells us that, you know, we're supposed to meet together, which, okay, we do, and we do that on Sunday because Jesus rose on a Sunday morning, so the early church did that. Uh, scripture tells us to remember the Lord's Supper, so we do that. It doesn't tell us how, how many times we need to do that, so we just kind of choose. Some people do it every week. We do it about every five to six weeks. Um, the assumption is that we would sing because they sang songs, but it doesn't tell us what to sing or how loud the music should be or if there should be you know, lights or anything, <laughs> uh, or who gets to pick the music. So we just we just decide on that one. Um, the assumption is that there there was teaching and preaching, and so you know we preach every week. It uh, doesn't tell us how long we need to preach, um, and so I try to stay somewhere in the forty minute range. Um, and so I, I think outside of that, what are we supposed to do? And when you look at the scriptures, I mean, you think of all the one another's: forgive one another, care for one another, accept one another submit to one another, bear with one another, restore one another. See, the easy part of, of Christianity is showing up on Sunday morning. But God's not giving us bonus points for showing up on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is definitely part of the experience. But, you know, if, if your only church experience is in rows on Sunday morning, you've not really experienced the church uh, because I think the primary function of the early church was relational discipleship. We see Jesus in a relationship with 12 guys, and then when he dies and is resurrected, he calls them to go and make disciples. And the, and the model that he wants them to use to do this is through relationships. And so the meaning of the word church, it's not a building, um, it's not a place that you attend, it's a group of people that you are in relationship with. It's people in the spiritual kingdom of God, and so um, we have to get ourselves out of this mindset that that the walls and the the brick and the mortar is the church. It is not. It is the people, and so uh, that's why I think it's so huge, and and that's why we have to shift our mindset on this.
0: Man, that's really good. That's, that's just really a great thing. way to to really kind of reflect on this series. And I think you know one of the points that that you made in part two that I think really resonated well when you think about what that congregation is, is is the people who kinda help you and real friends that help you stay accountable and hold you accountable and specifically you said that real friends help you to fight sin together. And it seems to be incredibly relevant in today's culture. And, and when you think about what we're battling and what we're really seeking for when we're lonely, um, can you just touch on that point a little bit and how and why that, that is so important in our lives to have those real friends that do help us to fight sin together? Well, I think Hebrews
1: 3 is the key here. Um, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So I think the the, the powerful parts of this verse, I mean, are, are, I, I hope are obvious. I mean, we're called to, to give encouragement every single day, and we need encouragement every single day. The word exhort just means encourage. And uh, when we're not encouraged to live for God, to obey God, to trust God, to fight sin, to confess sin, then sin has a way of clouding our, our mind and clouding our motives and clouding just our judgment. And so um, what wh- that sin does is it begins to harden our heart, which causes us to go further and further away from God. And so we need other people in our life that will encourage us every day. And um, we also looked at James five sixteen confess your sins to one another and pray for one, or, one another that you may be healed. And so I think that you know, definitely, you know, there's some spiritual healing in confession. Um, but I I think there's also just like this, this, this release that when I'm the only person that knows there is a pressure that comes and then there is just this spiritual power that, that just takes place when I am confessing my sin to a brother and he is praying for me and we are praying together over situations. I think confession is a huge part of real friendships. Um, we're not just confessing sin either. I think we've got to confess when we need help. We've got to confess when, you know, I'm hurting. And these are just things that we don't want to admit, but I think it's clear. Like when I sit down and I am just like, man, I'm overwhelmed, I'm hurting. There is healing. When I sit down with my with with, with a a real friend and I say, Man, I am struggling. And he puts his hand on on my shoulder and he prays for me and he encourages me. I'm telling you, that is powerful, and every single one of us need a friend in our life that will do that with us. Something that you just don't see happen when you're sitting
0: in rows, but when you're sitting in circles and small groups, that's something that you really do just experience the power of in, in the small group environment. And th- another attribute that you kind of pointed out when you defined what a real friend was, you, you said they're consistent even when they have to make sacrifices. You know what? What kind of sacrifices are you specifically? You know, kind of alluding to when you when you say that, and how have you kind of seen that play out?
1: Yeah, there, I mean, just anybody you love, you're going to make sacrifices for, and um, so a sacrifice uh, specifically, where, where I was I was helping people see, I hope, is that uh, it's a sacrifice to go to small group. You've got to sacrifice, you know, part of your schedule to make time for that. You know, every single week. Um, maybe you've got to sacrifice work. You've got to sacrifice laying on the couch at home. That's not much of a sacrifice, but um, you've got to sacrifice whatever other activity to be there uh, consistently with your friend. Uh, whatever you're doing when a friend is in need, you know you got to be willing to sacrifice. We looked at Acts, you know, chapter two in the past, and and. Um, we, we see there when, when there's a need, they sell their possessions and then, you know, meet that need. And so that's a sacrifice. Um, and so I, I think you could you could give a hundred different um, examples of this, but real friends just, they're willing to make sacrifices every single week in order to continue to grow the series. And so I think the, the key for me, though, is like, okay, I don't want to think too much about, okay... Is Britain really sacrificing for me? Let me let me let me dial in on the sacrifices he's made for me this week. That's not where I want to go with this. What I want to do is, I want to I want to turn it around on myself and say, okay, who am I sacrificing for? Because all of this, you know, if you want a real friend, you got to be a real friend. And so, who am I sacrificing for? And um, I think in that train of thought, it helps us to be a better friend. Yeah,
0: and then finally, we kind of, we talked about, you put a bow on this, this definition of, of what real friends are by saying, you know, sh- small groups really share responsibility together. You know, how is that unique to, to the small group environment and how small groups really do kind of just jump on that opportunity to, to share responsibility when there's a time in need?
1: Yeah, so when adversity hits, you know, real friends show up you know they're they're present they're there to assist in in ways you know any way that they can and so if you if you follow the model that the pastor and his wife are the only ones that visit people in the hospital or take people meals then you're going to miss out on thousands of opportunities to minister to people and so we want our, our our people in our church to own their faith and and to see themselves as shepherds as well of each other and and so in, in that small group, they're going to be able to, when, when someone is, you know, battling some kind of sickness or whatever, you know, that's, that's what I loved about the Irving story is that people were bringing them meals. They mowed their grass. These are, these are things that just are helpful when you are going through something like this, um, helped with bills, you know, took care of kids. And so th- th- these are, this is what real friends do. And so we, you hear that and you think, man, if I ever get sick, I want somebody to do that, you know, for me. Um but you 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 know, you don't know when the doctor is going to give you that bad news. And so if you haven't done the sacrifice and shared responsibility today, then you're not prepared for that. You know, that's a very selfish way to to think about it because it's 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 just okay, when I go through it, everybody better show up. Well, hello. Like, you know, if if we're if we're in this for the right reasons then we want to be that real friend that that is in a community group a community group and in a small group where we're we're like man let's let's dive in and and let me be the one that's helping and then you know who knows one day I'm going to need the help absolutely well man
0: it's been so fun to travel through this series and kind of you know peel back the layer on on what a, a real friend is and and get to experience kind of the power of, of small groups and really just kind of share that experience together. You know, I just kind of want to close this series out and just ask you kind of what's been your you know biggest takeaway or, or really just kind of your favorite uh, experience from this series, from your vantage point, just just talking about real
1: friends and small groups. Well, I think for me, what I have seen is just a renewal in some of our small group leaders and some of the people in small groups who have just been like, oh, yes, that's why we're doing this. And so, you know, it's great. I think, obviously, the other big thing is, you know, the amount of people that are going to connect in a new group. Um, but I was really encouraged by some of the conversations that I've had where people were like, man, that was, that's that's why we do this. And I've lost sight of that. And, uh, you know, that renewal and that understanding has, I think, motivated and, and fired a lot of groups back up. And so everybody is like, ready to charge a new hill together and and dive in. Yeah, definitely
0: was unique. It's been a a great response to this series. Obviously, on Monday night, just seeing that physical response of people was pretty encouraging. And thank you as always, Pastor Trent, for this series and for your time on the Ascent Podcast.
1: Absolutely. And thanks again for listening, guys. I hope you'll share this and uh, rate the show. And I uh, pray we'll continue this journey together. As always,
0: if you enjoy this resource, we ask that you please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing to the podcast not only helps us to reach more people, but it also ensures that you always receive the latest episodes as we release them every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate the show. Ratings really do help us to get discovered on your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.